0: And you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you a teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Very truly I tell you, we speak of what we know and testify to what we have seen, yet you do not receive our testimony." If I have told you about earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, O Christ. (coughs) You may be seated. The Lord be with you. Pray. Good and gracious God, as we move into these summer months, we ask that you would open our eyes to see you in all your glory, that we might be in awe of you. Amen. So, last week we were commenting on how Hallmark had not latched on to Pentecost. Holy Trinity is even further down on that list. (laughs) Not a big festival in the church, and it's a curious doctrine that's unique to the Christian community, the idea of the triune God, three persons, one God. It kind of is hard to wrap our heads around, and we'll often come up with all kinds of analogies, like it's steam and ice and water, but it's all water, or... We might wear different hats, but be the same person. So I might be a husband and a son and a father, but still just one person. But this is a hard thing to wrap our heads around. It's not something that we come to intuitively. And because of that, I think it makes it hard for us to articulate our faith to others. Because just having one God that's not triune seems a lot easier to explain. But when we talk about God and we talk about the language that we use relative to God, not only is it confusing and hard to wrap our heads around, but we start to run out of words. In the Christian tradition, when we talk about the Holy Trinity, we often start with kind of the classical language that we use Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There's a lot of great things about that language. In fact, in the readings that we have for today, we hear that great phrase, when we cry to God, Abba, Father. In fact, Abba is something that you might, even to this day in the Middle East, hear a very young child address their father. In English, it might be translated not so much as father, but daddy, or even dada. Abba has that kind of inflection To take something and someone who is so awesome, so huge beyond our scope and scale to understand, and use words that make God very personal and close. It's this kind of hard thing. In our modern world, we often deal with scales that are just beyond our grasp. We think of the study of space in the universe, or we think of nanotechnology and the scale and size. And both of those seem so impersonal in a fashion. So to take God, who is so awe-inspiring, and bring God close is hard. When we talk about Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the other thing that we often do is we often put false meanings to those words. It would be a mistake in our tradition if we were to think of God then as a man. and We often do. Kind of big white beard or whatever the case might be. But if God is a man, then the next question is, well, where's the woman then? So God must not be alone then. Or God is not Complete or full. And that's not what we would articulate as Christians at all. Many theologians looking at Father, Son, and Holy Spirit would talk about the image of the most perfect and intimate community possible. Something that we as people of faith would seek to emulate as we gather around meal, as we bring new ones into the family through the waters of baptism, This sense of community that is loving and forgiving and gracious and self-sacrificing for others. I think that starts to get at it. In this following the week of Pentecost where we talk about the Holy Spirit a lot, phrases that as Lutherans we don't typically go to. We're comfortable talking about Jesus, but the Holy Spirit starts to get hard for us to latch on to. But in the text that we have for today, we hear about the wind blowing where it's going to blow and we don't know where or how or why. I've always been fascinated since I was a little kid with those who would seek to climb Mount Everest. I know that for myself I'm deathly scared of heights and so that probably wouldn't work out so well. Just a long list of reasons why that wouldn't work out so well. But this last week you probably heard in the papers that there was another accident up there and a few climbers were killed. I was watching a documentary on it at the last great tragedy back in 1996 when eight climbers were lost. And the comment was made about the wind that is on the peak of that mountain always. It's not unusual for the jet stream itself to catch the top of Mount Everest with winds higher than a category 5 hurricane. But when it's calm, it would just be the equivalent of a Category 1 hurricane. When it's kind of slowed down in its late spring weather, there's still snow. <laughs> and it's still crazy high. But it's an interesting discussion if we talk about the spirit as wind. This power that shapes. From miles away, you can see the snow being almost wind blasted off the peak of that mountain. But the climbers who are up there, they maybe feel that wind, but there is no air to breathe. That last 3,000 feet, in fact, they call the death zone, because you basically start shutting down. There's a third as much air as there is at sea level. As we talk about the Holy Trinity, there is a question about that intimate community and our relationship to it. How well, as Christians, do we survive without that air, without that wind that shapes and pushes us and prods us in the direction that the Spirit wants us to go, and oftentimes not in gentle ways. But we trust that when we begin to fall into that most intimate of communions, that we have all of the breath, another word for the Holy Spirit, that we would ever need and the strength to go where we are being pushed, where we are being led, perhaps. Some days that may be confusing, led or pushed, but other days it's clear As we think about all that is happening this morning at Grace with the baptism and confirmation, it seems to me that that's an important piece of this Trinity puzzle as well. When the waters of baptism bring someone in, often in our tradition it's someone very little. Someone who more often than not could not walk themselves into this place to be baptized, but instead was carried by others. That powerful image of God reaching all the way to us. The idea that we bring nothing to the equation and God brings everything. But now the next part of that is what do we do with that gift? As our confirmants affirm their baptism, they're taking on this faith for themselves. They're grabbing on to this wind in a fashion, taking in this breath of God in a way that gives them strength to move through their lives, trusting that they have been brought into that most holy of communions. So when you think of this doctrine of the Holy Trinity and all kinds of triangles and other three-sided things show up in your brain, be mindful that God at God's core, is about bringing us into community. Christ did it. God does it. The Holy Spirit continues to bring us in. So when you see this water or feel a gust of air, be mindful. God is calling. God is giving strength. God is sending. Amen.